0: Well, welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp. Great to see you back with us,
1: Scott. <laughs> Good to be back with you as well. That was a full of enthusiasm there, wasn't it? It was. Yes. So excited. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> well, it, it is fantastic to be back
0: with you. Well, it's big shoes to fill. Judy Sharp's been knocking it out of the park every week. Well, she does a great job. She's uh, still got
1: it, hasn't she? Still has, still yeah. has. What do you got for us today though? <laughs> well, I thought today we'd talk about African daisy. It's a bit dry out there at the moment and they're looking fantastic. Uh, another plant that does so well in the dry and is looking spectacular a lavender. Chat about those and all the different varieties you can get and also lamandra. It's got some scale problems I've noticed around at the moment. All right, lamandra. Yes, it's a native grass. It's a lot of you've got lavender and lamandra. Two L's. I have. I've done about the African daisy. I should have picked another one starting with L2. Can we call it a light African daisy? We, we could call it that. <laughs> We've got Brian from
0: Weston, and she spoke to Judy a couple of weeks ago about killing a carnation, so he might have an update for us. Hello.
1: All right. Hello, Brian. Have you been out with the old Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass? <laughs>
2: Hello, Scotty. How are you? Pretty well. <laughs>
1: Weird one. You got the photos, didn't you? I have got the photos. I'm glad you only sent me the geranium photos, Brian. So that's, we're keeping it uh, G rated here today. So that's very good. It's not a
2: geranium.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. So look, you've sent me photos where there's just lots and lots of petals all over the ground, and it looks yeah. like the the little, almost little stamen or the base of the flower has been chewed through. Would that be a fair summation of what you've sent me?
2: What happened, yeah, that is there's little piles of um, petals yep. there from the carnations, but the separate photograph where it's got some petals and a little pod in the photograph, that's pulling, pulling the carnation flower apart. That's what you find at the very base of the flower is that little tiny... About, you know, like a quarter the size of a, a pea or something like that. And that's what they're taking. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, carnations, I suppose, do have seeds, so, or would have seeds, so maybe it's that, the seed structure of the carnation. I don't know. But that's all they take. But the weird thing is, the colours are piled together in separate colours. There's a pile of pink, you know, like rich, deep pink colour. A stack of um, red and white stripes is stacked together, and a stack of white ones is all stacked
3: together.
1: It is very, very strange. I mean, you've got a very sort of OCD little um, creature <laughs> there doing this, haven't you? Or, or, or some... I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: and the other weird thing, I thought I'll put light on the garden at the nighttime because it happens at the nighttime. Yeah. So spotlights on the garden of the night time and for that garden bed you can see from one of the windows of the house and so I go out every 10-15 minutes to the window and nothing happened about 9 o'clock that night switched off the lights and the next morning the garden hadn't been touched at all so the next night put on the lights again you know, at dusk switched them off about 10 o'clock nothing happened that night as well the next night I didn't put the lights on at all and Annihilation took place again. So this little creature must shop for his groceries on the way home from work. Oh, have to be have to be in bed by nine o'clock or home watching TV or something.
1: I, I reckon you need to go to the army disposal store and get some of those, you know, those night vision infrared goggles sort of things, and, and see what you can find.
2: But it must be some sort of small, must be some sort of small bird because we've got a lot of wrens here, but they don't do that. We've got a lot of blue wrens. They don't do that. And they're, they're, they're not out of the night time. And it's just, whatever it is, there must be a couple of them because there's, you know, like, I mean, they really work hard overnight because the little piles just, they're, they're
1: considerable. Yeah, now, because it's the seed, I, I was up uh, having a walk around in the Percolman area the other weekend. And as we were walking up this fire trail, there was this really, really cute little marsupial mouse um, yeah. s- sort of hopping along, and I'm, I'm wondering if it might be something like that. They're going for the sure. actual seed pod of the of the flower, and um, I don't think it is because
2: I put down um, I put down a ground sheet around one of the, the the carnation, a couple of the carnations, and I sprinkled the top of the carn the, the ground sheet with a white powder so that you could see if there were you know whose footprints were going to be there tomorrow, yes. and there's none. There's none. And the plant, like, if it was a marsupial, even a small one, you would see some destruction on the plant itself. There's none. The plants aren't disfigured at all. There's no breakages of, you know, parts of the plant. It's just really strange.
1: So I wonder if there is some sort of, you know, nocturnal flying bird that's coming down and eating your carnations. That's what I think's happening. Yes, okay, well... Of course, we're always happy to hear from callers as well if they've had exactly the same problem. And, um,
2: <laughs> well, it's just interesting if anybody else has had the same
1: problem. <laughs> yeah, well, and look, we want to know how to to, um, to try and protect. Uh, actually, that might be a well What about some netting over the top of the carnation just to see if you can do something? If you well, could. you could, yeah. yeah. I suppose you could do that. Yeah. Um, look, or otherwise, one of those those cameras that, uh, you know, photographs in the middle of the night and you always get a, you know, a quacker or a... You know, Tasmanian tiger sort of staring into the camera. <laughs> camera, you know, it's, it's been stunned or whatever. That—that's what you need. you think it is? <laughs> Not the Kodak brownie and the huge flash on top of it, Brian.
2: So. <laughs> interesting
1: if anybody else has had the same problem. We'd love to hear about it if Uh, if anyone has had that problem. So I'll describe it again. We've got the the pictures of the carnations. We've got sort of like the seed area, the base of the flower. Um, It's all just hanging around. And then all the petals very, very neatly spaced out. Um, Looking at it, is there a... No, there's not a word or a pattern being spelled out by (laughs) the petals. No, 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 there's no words spelled out. Okay. But but it just shows
2: that, you know, like I mean, the... the, the flowers themselves are stacked in individual
1: colors. It, it is very neat, I've, I've got to give it that. Yeah, yeah. Very tidy little bird, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay, I'll okay. leave it with you. Okay, keep on listening and let's uh, let's uh, get our, bye. our bye. helpers out there and see if they can uh, give us some answers. Thanks, yeah, Brian. Bye.
0: bye. We've got Lynn now from at Chisholm and she's looking for a native plant suitable for clay
1: soil. After Lynn, how can we help you?
4: Um, hi, Scott. I have a garden bed um, at the back of our house facing east, gets mostly uh, morning sun up till sort of lunchtime, but it's clay. We've put in um, gypsum and uh, some other garden soil and fertilizer and, you know, um, turned it over really well, but now I want to know what I can plant in there that will grow, and I'd like to do native.
1: Yeah, so how tall do you want those plants to, to grow, Lynn?
4: Oh, look, I'm happy with, uh, say, I don't know, a metre or half a metre. Um, I'd like some ground covers mm-hmm. and, you know, just sort of, um, I don't know, like taller plants at the back, toward the back wall, and then a middle ram height and then, you know, lower and ground covers.
1: Yeah, okay. So, look, I think what's going to happen is you need to keep on... Did your block get sort of cut away, did it? Is that why it's so heavy in clay and there's very little topsoil? Yeah.
4: And there was a drainage issue as well, which we've just had fixed. Yeah. Um, But it's still pretty damp and, yeah, clay.
1: Yeah, okay. So, look, the, the, you're doing all the right things with the gypsum. There's also liquid clay breaker you can get, which is very, very good. Um, there's no substitute for, you know, getting in there when you get ready to plant your plants and, uh, you know, digging uh, some fresh soil into the area uh, as well as some gypsum just to, you know, actually break up the clumps of clay. Look, yep. the, ty- the types of plants I'm going to suggest to you, uh, you know, uh, Lomandra, uh they're really great, uh, little... Uh, sort of grassy ground cover. You can get yep. different heights and different uh, you know, shades of green in them. Uh, so they'll do really, really well for you. And otherwise, the reason I asked about height was because I was thinking that uh, some grevilleas like uh, Robin Gordon, uh, they're only very, you know, I guess about a metre tall anyway, Uh, And so they haven't got such a big root system. So if you've been doing all the hard work and, and putting in the gypsum and the liquid clay breaker and digging up that soil, putting some fresh, you know, soil in around the clay then their root system doesn't need to spread out that far anyway. It's not like it needs to get down, you know, two or three metres. So you'll actually have some success if you're trying out uh, with grevilleas. Uh, there's okay. also different varieties of bottle brush. Well, <laughs> br- br- bottle brush, we got that one out. <laughs> uh, and there's yeah. some definitely some little low-growing ones. They're very, very tough. Uh, look, they don't particularly like all natives. They don't really like clay, but they will handle being in some clay. So uh, there's three choices for you, some Lamandra, Uh, The grevillea varieties, lots of different ones there, and uh, bottle brush. But again, the main thing is to to get out there with the old elbow grease and try and break up that clay as much as possible and uh, use the gypsum in that area.
4: Fantastic. And then um, when I get to have my planting day, um, put some... um Oh, what's
1: it called? Um, over the top of it? Um... Yes, de- definitely some mulch over the top mulch, of that. Yes. Yeah. Now with natives as well, uh, they don't particularly like uh, you know fertiliser like cow manure or poultry manure so steer clear of using that in the garden if you're going to use anything use some blood and bone it's a nice safe fertilizer for them Uh, and over time you can start to till uh, that mulch that you put there as it breaks down back into the soil it gets the worms into the soil Uh, they start to uh, go through the clay and it just you just get a a generally more healthy uh, sort of environment uh, by doing all of those you know little prongs I guess of of the problem
4: fantastic thank
1: you so much okay and thank you for the call Lynn appreciate it
4: Thank you.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: So we've got Graham from Adawi, and he's got a question about yuckers. Afternoon,
1: Graham. How can we help?
0: Hi, Scott. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. I just wanted to ask
2: you, would I, are you going to survive in a spot that gets uh, sort of no sun in the winter? Uh, it's just coming into uh, sun now. Would, would that
1: survive in a spot like that? I reckon it would, Graeme. They're a a pretty, pretty tough plant. Now, they're actually, you know, endemic to sort of those dry, arid regions of uh, America from about uh, Guatemala. Uh, In fact, right up through the Baja Desert and then, um, you know, up into, even up into Canada. And those, like so they're quite a diverse plant. Um, They will tolerate being in shady conditions. You have to be careful, though, that if they're in too much shade they can get a sort of a, a sort of a fungal disease on them so they do need to be sprayed with coproxychloride probably through the winter months um, but uh, generally i would say yes um, if it's getting sunny now in that position it will do okay for you and it will survive you just obviously cut down your watering of the plant uh, during the winter months and it will uh, survive th- for you now graham you're going to put it in the ground or in a pot
2: yeah, it's in a pot at the moment. It's just getting way too big for the pot. It's probably about a metre and a half high. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to move it and put it in the ground.
1: Now, that that's fine. Now, with a yucca, I don't know if you've noticed them when people put them in the ground, uh, people have often put them in, you know, retaining wall areas. And what happens is they get this big woody butt. It just keeps on spreading out and spreading out and spreading out, a bit like a ponytail palm does. and it can actually do some damage. So I would just say to you, if you're going to put it in the ground, make sure that it's got some really good clearance away from, uh, you know, any walls or paving or anything that could be damaged by a big woody sort of trunk spreading out over time. Oh,
2: OK. I'm, uh, I might be in a wrong spot for it here. So it would be close to a fence and a wall, so I might have to think of something else, thanks.
1: Yeah, and look, I've, I've seen them, they'll push up against fences. It's, it's just that... Uh, you know, that base of them at the ground level it just keeps on spreading out and spreading out. Um, look, they're quite prunable, but it, it, you can't really prune away that base, so they will do damage. So just a really thing, a good thing to be careful about with yuccas. Oh, OK. No worries, all right. Well, thanks for your help. That's okay. good. Thanks. OK, good on you, Graeme. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. bye
0: We've got Kelly from Ellamore Vale, and she's looking at pruning a port-wide magnolia.
5: Yes, hi. Uh, I'm fairly confident the port wine magnolia. It's been in for more, probably 20 years. It's been used as a hedge and uh, some of the branches, I suppose you'd say, are, are getting quite thick. Uh, we want to prune it back, but I want to do it the right way so I can encourage some extra foliage coming through. Wondering when the best time of year is and
1: what fertiliser I could use and at, at what point do I do those Yeah, uh, thanks Kelly uh, I've noticed that they're out in flower at the moment Is yours out in flower as well? Yes,
5: just started the last week week or two I think
1: Yeah, so look, you, you just leave it flower and when once those flowers start to drop off, that's the time to go and give it a prune um, uh-huh. Now as you said uh, you know, you, you know, you've been hedging it by the sounds of things
5: Yes, we have, but it's sort of just got too uh, wide, if that makes sense for the area. Uh, So I do want to give it a decent prune, but which we did a couple of years ago, but probably, I don't know if we did it the wrong time or it was too heavy a prune. It's um, Part of it hasn't really thrived since.
1: Yeah, and look, they are a slow-growing plant to come back from a heavy prune, so... I think you might just have to be a bit more strategic this time when you're doing it. Uh, You know, just trying to get rid of some of those heavy branches, but, you know, picking and choosing if there's some lighter ones that are still providing some foliage and cover and leaving those alone. Um, Yeah, look, if you do go back really, really hard with them, they'll take, you know, quite some time to come back. And then you tend to get those little water shoots that come up and you have to then prune them over time until you get that, that sort of fulsome plant again. So... Uh, you look, go go hard, you know, in part on it. I guess is is the way to do so. You know that you're trimming out some of those bigger branches, but leaving some there to provide some foliage. Uh, once those other ones start to fill out, then you can go back and and yep. sort of have a crack at those uh, other ones that you've left behind, so that it doesn't look too ugly for you for too long.
5: Okay. Yeah. And now so f- the flowering will be uh, whatever that's finished. If it if it's warmer weather, that's still not a problem to
1: look i I don't think that's a problem i would say the flowering is going to finish in what three to four weeks uh it shouldn't have warmed up too much by then so it is time to prune uh Uh yep hopefully we'll get some rain around that time Uh as well which will give them a bit of a boost but a little bit of cow manure as well um just sprinkling that uh down you know around the root system of the plant um, will give it a, a boost at that point in time as well and get it to fill out a little bit quicker for you
5: and that cow manure can go on at a similar time to pruning,
1: or before? Would it be better? Or? Oh, look, re- really at the same time, or a couple of weeks later. Um, yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's not going to, you know, really do much, <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, you know, in that period of time. So, at the time of pruning, or a couple of weeks later, is a nice safe time to do it.
5: Perfect. Thank you very
1: much. Okay. Thank you very much, Kelly. Enjoy your afternoon. You too. Bye bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2
0: R F M. If you've got a question, 49216216. We've got Kim from Charlestown, and her finger lime isn't looking overly too great at the moment. Hey, Kim, what's been happening?
6: Oh, hi, Scott. Um, well, I had bought this finger lime about four years ago, and it was in a pot, and so it went great guns with the, um, buds, on the f- buds on it, but it never actually produced any finger lime, so someone told me to put it in the ground and it would do better. So we put it in the ground and now this year, well, there's a couple of branches that look really healthy, have the little buds on them, but then there's other branches that seem to be dying and the tips of them are are white, look like they're dead, The, the leaves have fallen off. I just don't know what to do with it.
1: It might be time just to, you know, give it a light prune and try and get rid of those, you know, dead-looking twigs. Uh, When you describe white, I wonder if it's got some sort of scale or mealybug insect on there as well. So it might be worth giving a preventative spray with some white oil uh, just to try and keep that, uh, you know, scale or mealybug that might be on there under control. Uh, Now, with a finger lime, you just have to be a bit careful about feeding it. Um, They are a native uh, so I would just be using blood and bone on that finger lime and probably some sulphate of potash to promote some flowering as well. Um, certainly no poultry manure or any, you know, citrus food as such. Uh, I'd just be using the blood and bone and some sulphate of potash. Okay. Well, thanks very much.
6: Well, I'll try that. I'll give it a prune and yep. some white
1: oil. Yes, spray, spray that some up. some
6: white oil on it. Yes. And, yeah. And blood and bone and potash. Okay, and
1: then make sure you're watering all that in really, really well because they love a really good drink, do finger limes.
6: Oh, okay. okay, good. Okay, and water
1: it once a week or something then afterwards? Well, look, yeah, look again, it depends. If we're getting windy conditions, uh, you water a lot more often. Um, but, uh, you know, if we've had, you know, humidity, uh, a bit of rain, then you can cut back your watering in the ground. Once it's established after about three months or so, uh, you can cut the watering back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, probably, you know, at the moment, uh, two to three times a week just to make sure that it's getting a really good boost and a kick along to, um, you know, try and repair itself
6: okay thanks very much
1: okay i appreciate that thank you bye 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 we've got
0: gail from heat and greet and and she's got a question about the protea
3: hello hello
1: gail how can we help you
3: well i think my protea is dying oh
1: Um, no
3: (laughs) well look he's uh gosh i'm five foot seven so he's about eight foot tall and when we first moved in which was about three and a half years ago now it was um it had lots of leaves and lots of flowers the following year what i did i didn't know what to do but i cut out each of the dead flowers and i didn't cut anything shorter but it was a big plant then and then the following year we had all this wet and i don't think it liked the wet so i sort of try to prune it back but all the pictures they showed you approaches, they're only about up to your knee or sort of your shoulder height and they were saying, you know, prune back two thirds and, and I'm thinking, well it's not going to work with this, anyway so now he's a bit rangy um, and I, last year I didn't get many flowers on it at all they're only coming right on the end, but he—you can see through it. Whereas before, it was all sort of leaves inside, and you know, it was looking good. So, did he get too much water when we had that really wet year a couple of years ago?
1: Well, f- look. Firstly, I love the way that your protea—it's got a pronoun of of he. It's it's a it's a it's of a, a definite gender. <laughs> your protea. <laughs> Now I reckon, I reckon I'm going to ask Greg a question here as well. Can you tell me, Greg, where proteas are from? I would say South Africa. Yes, very good. Thank if you. I was going to guess, <laughs>
3: I've, see, I've seen them there.
0: Yes. Yes, they've got and a I co-
3: think this goes back the days of guandana land isn't it when australia when australia was joined to south africa i don't know yes. you can get them in western australia you get proteas don't
1: you yes well they do very well in western australia you're absolutely right i think there's a you know a bit of a link there between the old grevillea and the protea um you certainly like similar conditions now greg's helped us out there by telling us where um they where he's from um, the, the plant uh, South Africa and it's as we know it's, it's pretty dry over there uh, you know it's certainly not a rainforest you know type, uh, type place so yes you're right your protea wouldn't have been very happy uh, if it you know got a really you know big rain event and, and wet feet and uh, you know the area that it's yeah. in isn't well drained uh, that's when they'll start to feel a little bit unhappy so they will do okay over here on the east coast um, even through the humidity uh, but, yeah, as, as you've probably found out, they like a nice well-drained spot. Uh, they yeah. don't particularly like, you know, a great deal of fertiliser, just like uh, a grevillea. They only really like blood and bone. And, right. um, yeah, that, uh, again, yeah, if you get a really big, you know, rain event, you know, four or five days they're going to suffer during that period yeah. of time.
3: Well, as I say, I, I don't know if you remember, it was a couple of years ago we had a lots and lots of wet mm. and it's never really quite been happy since then. Um, we've got a, a, a drip system, one, in, one of those um, uh, sort of... It, it, it's not quite a drip, it just oozes out of the pipe. Um, so do you think I should take that away from it and just let him do his own thing because we put all the drip system in after we moved in and before obviously the people before it just watered it when it needed it. Um, There's a load of daisy plants around it and a a sort of a little tree and I've put a grevillea in and he's going well. Um, So... Do you think I should just sort of cut
1: out the amount of water we're giving him? Look, I, I reckon I would uh, cut that water out. I've noticed at this time of the year where it's been very, very dry, you we've know, had a, you know, a couple of you know, little spots of rain you know, probably in the last couple of months. All those plants that love the dry conditions like lavender, grevilleas, they are doing surprisingly well. I think they almost get a little bit stressed at this, you know, when it gets very, very dry and they flower as much as possible. And, they, you know, lavender, grevilleas, proteas, they certainly don't like the wet conditions, as we've said. So I probably would take away, uh, you know, that watering system away and just see what happens. You know, if it dries out a little bit, it's not going to be an unhappy plant. They can certainly handle being very dry
3: okay um also would age have something to do with it because he's at least 14 to 15 years old
1: yes age has something to do with it i would i would say i know i'm a little bit more creaky now in, in my old age uh, so, oh, we all. <laughs> so uh gail I, I look i think that's also the case uh, plants like waddles gravilias, they're only fairly short-lived uh, so you know for to be getting 14 years out of a protea you, you're doing you know pretty pretty well uh what happens is you know eventually you know they I guess the trunks, the, the you know, the woody part of the plant starts to, you know, the bark cracks, it just starts to get a little bit old, like I said, and creaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, pest and insect getting into those areas. So, uh, yeah, look, tr- see what you can do. Um, get, maybe give it a light prune back, but only very, very light, um, and see what happens there. Cut back the watering, and it might just have a bit of a lease of life in this, uh, you know, dry conditions we've got at the moment. Yeah,
3: OK, all right, so... Basically, take away the water and leave him alone. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank okay. you very much.
0: Thanks, Gary. Good to talk to you. Cheers. It's Gardening tour back on to when you are a fan. time for a couple of quick questions. So we've got Cameron from Waters Bay, and he's got some questions about turf maintenance. Hey,
1: Cameron, what's happening with your grass?
2: Yeah, Scotty. Um, I, about 12 months ago, I put down a, a tiff Tough lawn, and while it's looking quite green, lush, and, and healthy on top, when you separate the, the blades... It's looking it's very it's just brown underneath and i want to trim the lawn and cut it down lower but if i do so my green grass will, will go to a brown grass you know it'll be look dead and um, i've heard of a method called scalping and people suggest that you scalp your lawn and cut it right back so it is brown but I, i'm a bit concerned that if i do that it may, it may not come back have, have you got any ideas
1: yeah, so scalping the lawn is, you know, you'd often see it where people would mow down really, really low and it was, I guess, most obvious in buffalo grass because it would just cut it all off and you'd get those white patches yeah. uh, all over it. Look, I don't think there's anything, you know, on, as a one-off per se doing that. Uh, yeah. Your grass is always going to come back, but mowing really, really low like that all the time is just mm. damaging to the grass it uh leaves the root system really exposed to the you know the heat in the middle mm. of summer here so if mm. you're going to do it you'd be doing it now there's another method it's called thatching uh, or dethatching you have to yeah. actually go and you know to one of the higher places uh, yeah. and and they you hire this machine that does this really weird thing to the grass i've done it a couple of times yeah. uh, makes an absolute mess of the lawn again Mm. for a couple of months it does come back and it takes away that all that under thatching that thickness in underneath you said you've only Mm. had yours in about a year though that's right yeah Yeah. so i wouldn't suggest that that's the problem uh, the thatching if you want to give it a really good um, hard cut back um, you could do that, you could also give it a top dress as well, a light top dress, and see what happens see what happens yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. but again, right. if you are going to you know go hard on your lawn you 'd only do it you know once a year, you do it at this mm. time of year, and yeah. uh, then you always set your uh, mower up quite high and yeah. make sure you 've got a really nice sort of you know green grassy duna there to try and protect the root system in the heat of summer, yeah, yeah,
5: because
2: the the mower blade is set quite high to maintain that, that green look, um, but I do want to knock it down a little bit. And, um, yeah, if I do so, it'll, it'll knock it down to that, that brown thatching underneath. Yeah, and
1: you're using uh, a catcher as well, Cameron? Yes, yeah. yes, okay. yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, yeah. Give, it, give it a try, see what happens. You're certainly not going to upkill the lawn. Yeah, sure. All right, thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Cameron. Thanks yep. for the call.
0: bye. bye. time quickly for Laurie from Cardiff. We've got a question about pampers grass.
1: Oh, pampas grass. Laurie, I think Greek's going to be able to answer where pampas grass comes from as well. South Africa? Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> it's, it's a ba- have you got some growing, have you, Laurie?
4: No, I have this really difficult area out the front of my house, mm-hmm. which is just grows weeds really well, but it's really slopy, so it's hard to mow. And I just want to put something there that looks nice and just easy to look after.
1: Okay. Well, look, the short answer is you can't put in pampas grass. I believe it's actually a noxious weed. And it's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Looking, you can, you see it on the side of the freeway. It's starting to spread again a little bit. I've noticed that. Uh, has those big tufty flowers. It's a real yeah. nasty, nasty plant. I remember as a kid, uh, at mum and dad's place, we had a, a clump and it's almost this serrated plant. Absolutely terrible. Look, I think, Laurie, there's a lot more natural plants to grow. Uh, native plants would be much better. Scott Sharper our time. Okay. The lube by today. Indeed. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.